One of the new things we've implemented this year that has been really fun so far, not for least of which because it means people don't have to listen to me for 10 minutes, is uh, involving some other people in the discussion. And one of my old friends is joining us today uh, with one of her sidekicks, who I will let her introduce, from the staff at Susquehanna uh, University, uh, Joanne Troutman. Good afternoon, Ms. Troutman. Good afternoon. <laughs> uh, for, peop <laughs> for people who uh, may not be f all that familiar with Susquehanna University, give us a thumbnail snapshot of the type of institution we're talking about and, and where on earth Sealands Grove, Pennsylvania might be. We are... Sealands Grove, Pennsylvania is smack in the middle of Pennsylvania, obviously, about an hour north of Harrisburg, um, a pretty rural community. We are a small liberal arts institution um, of about 2,000 students, and we have roughly 13 and a half, um, well, 14,000 alumni, I'll say. So um, we're a small community. It's a good community. It's in a great place, a great place to be. So. Um. I've been there personally, and I can vouch for it being a nice place to be. Joanne is involved today uh, because she has distinguished herself to me uh, as one of the more creative uh, implementers of direct mail and direct mail pieces. And so uh, Joanne, in my eyes, was sort of a perfect person to kick off a discussion about varieties of uh, direct mail creativity uh, because she herself and her program and with her colleagues are responsible for several of the samples that I want to talk about today. So, um, Joanne, I'm not going to be able to corner anybody else uh, whose samples we talk about this afternoon, but I get to corner you for a couple minutes. And, uh, and so I appreciate you um, asking some questions that are probably going to be on other people's minds as we go. And I'll reiterate to folks, if you want to uh, fire Joanne a question while we have her for the next several minutes, um, here's your opportunity to get some feedback straight from the annual giving director's mouth. Joanne, let's start with this postcard, uh, which is a the proverbial pre-call postcard. And uh, I get asked about these things all the time these days. Uh, you know, is it important to have a pre-call piece? Is it not so important to have a pre-call piece? Um, talk a little bit about the, the logic that went behind putting this piece together, and then tell us a little bit about how you evaluate it if you can. Well, um, this is where it's important for me to have Judy Newcomer, our Associate Director of the Susquehanna University Fund on the phone. She has become, well, she is our call center director, and she's also become uh, our mail guru of sorts. And I'll ask her to tell you the, why um, real SU students and pre-call pieces are important. And I can talk a little bit about measuring results. So Judy, take it away. Hi, Judy. Hi, Bob. The postcard you're looking at was a postcard we mailed out after the holiday break um, in January because our constituents received a mailing piece back in September that we were afraid they would not remember come January. So this gave our callers something to talk about when they had them on the phone. And the people you're looking at are actually, they're still on board with me, they're, they're now seniors this year. And um, when they would call someone, they said, did you get the postcard with real Susquehanna students? I'm the one in the pink. So they got to talk about the card, that this is our actual calling room, which I must admit looks a lot better now because that was a new room and now it's all decorated. It looks kind of like we're an institutionalized um, spot, but it's, it's much nicer now. And using a pre-call piece, makes us not telemarketers. It gives us something to talk with our constituents about. 
did you get the piece um, with my picture on the front, or I'm calling to follow up on a postcard you received. So it gives our students something to talk about immediately with, with our alumni and parents. So I hear two main points there. Um, one is the importance of making the point that we're not like other telemarketers. And so, you know, where some places might tell me, oh, why do you want to tip people off by sending a postcard? Uh, it sounds like you see some logic into bringing people's attention to the fact they're going to be getting a call, but also reinforcing we're not like those other people. It's your old friends at Susquehanna calling. Is that fair? That, that is fair. And, and the letter that we send in the fall has also a picture of a student, but it has um, an amount that the student will be asking for. So my, my callers don't feel um, self-conscious about asking for $100 or $200. They know that if, if the alum or parent has read the letter, that they know that that's what they're going to be asked for. And the other point that I hear in all this is uh, the, the idea of giving the caller something to make reference to. And, and that's another thing that, that I often uh, get asked about is sort of the awkwardness of getting into a conversation and, and wanting to do more than just starting by saying, can I verify your contact information? And so it sounds like you really see it as useful to have the students have almost an excuse to be calling to reference the fact that you might have received this postcard and that's what I'm following up about. Is that fair? That's exactly correct. All right. Uh, as far as the results piece go, Bob, um, I think you alluded to this before. You know, it's very important to us. I mean, this was a postcard, so it didn't have a, a return envelope or anything with it. But it's very important to us to do things that are not just measurable on our bottom line, but to do things because they're the right thing to do. Sure. Joanna, I, um, the, uh, the host uh, has not included a picture of the reverse side of this postcard. Can you remind me if there's anything... Uh, noteworthy on the back of it. Judy, do we have? Uh, I don't. I don't remember exactly what the back of it is. <laughs> no wonder there's no picture. Said um, that the calling program is back up. That we're back from our winter break, and students will be back on the phone trying to reach out out to our alumni and parents. Okay. Um, any way of? Joanne, you already touched on this. Any any way of measuring if this is benefiting? the phone program or not. I mean, I, I speak out all the time about why intuitively I think pre-call postcards are a nice idea. Um, can you supply me with any evidence that that's true? Which doesn't mean um, that I'll stop saying it, but any right, observations? You know, other, than, other than anecdotally, I won't, but I would add that this year for the first time, um, we for our pre-call letter, which we do in the fall, which Judy just alluded to, um, we actually started to do a perforated bottom to that that allows people to send that response piece directly back. I mean, we've always, we've just started including envelopes even last year. And that the response to that has been overwhelming. I think we're already at 30% live renewal or something like that. So um, people get them. People are responding to them. Um, obviously, it's difficult to measure results from a postcard. Um, but anecdotally, I will tell you that it is important to our um, alumni, especially, they, they often ask for us to resend letters or resend things that they may not have gotten. It, it, it has become part of our culture, and it's important for our alumni to hear that. So, for us Okay. To do that. My second Susquehanna favorite is uh, this mailing that goes out at the end of the year. Joanne, make sure I don't say anything wrong here. This goes out to previous donors uh, to the annual fund, 
And what the folks at Susquehanna do is they literally take the cover off of the prior year's honor roll of donors, put a post-it note on it that says, hope to see you in next year's uh, honor roll. Then they take a copy of the exact page out of the honor roll that has your name on it, highlight your name on the page so that you know that we know that you know that we know that you were in this report last year and you're fixing to not be in it this year. Um, Joanne, there are a lot of other institutions that swear to me that this sort of draft list of donors, or in your case, uh, you know, who's conspicuously missing from uh, this year's list of donors, is one of the more successful things they do. I'm assuming you're going to agree with that, but talk a little bit about it. And for some folks, this might seem like a little bit of a logistical nightmare pulling this together, but explain why it's worthwhile if it is. Well, this is our... our far and away our highest grossing direct mail piece that we do. We send it, obviously, right at the end of the year. I think we, we moved the date back to May 15th. Um, now, we get a, roughly a 10% response rate from this piece. Um, last year, we only sent it to 1,400 people. Um, we have, this has netted, and well, grossed anywhere from $12,000 to, we think, the first year we did it, we got somewhere between thirty dollars and $40,000. So it is our highest uh, grossing appeal as well. Um, Judy can talk a little bit about the, the nightmare, the logistical nightmare, although my sense is that over the years it's become less of a nightmare as we've um, operationalized the project. Judy, right. how the long does it take thing, you to do this? Well, it takes <laughs> um, my assistant and me about um, a week to complete the mailing. Uh, we start um, probably back in at the end of March by contacting our communications office so we can have the, just the cover of the donor report printed. We want it exactly like uh, they received in the mail, so it's not a, a carbon copy or a photocopy. It's, it's an actual um, heavy stock, color, full color print. So we, we get those from our communications office. Then uh, we create a list of all the donors who were included in, in the previous year but do not qualify yet this year. Then we sort uh, all those names by class year and affiliation, whether they are alumni or a parent. Then we have to copy the pages from the donor report that show that their name was listed. And then once the pages are copied, we have to highlight, find the name and highlight it. And sometimes it's a problem when you have a married couple, one from the class of 1972 and another one from the class of 1977, you have to put both of those in the same, same envelope. Uh, then you fold it into the cover page with the, the sticky note that you just saw saying, we hope to see you in next year's donor report. And we include a business reply envelope with a code on it so we can track the gift. But um, Cindy, my assistant, and I have become pretty uh, good with piles and making uh, how to do one class and get it out and go to the next class. So it, it just takes a little organization, but it can be done. Joanne, why is it worth it? Why is it so successful, do you think? Um, you know, I don't know that. I think people do like to see their names in print. I do often think that, especially nowadays, we, we are so busy that it's not that people don't want to give. It's just that they forget or it gets lost in the shuffle. And it's really giving people a deadline, um, getting them to think about, oh, I only have X number of days to give. I better get on the stick and do that, even if it's only a $10 gift. Um, for us, it's not so much about the amount that we get in, it's about uh, participation. And we do have our Liban population is very supportive 
um, the renewal with that group since we started doing this has gone up about six or seven percentage points. Wow. Well, that, that'll end any that argument. Well. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd like to add that if you're looking at the, the original um, sheet with all the names on it, there's little codes behind the names, and they stand for if, if a person's given between two and five years, they get one code, five to ten years, they get another, and more than ten. So if you have a code behind your name and you don't give this year, you're going to go back to nothing. So if you've got the a code, you know, you want to keep it going, you want to make your gift. We also highlight, um, we bold names of people that have given every year since graduation. So you don't want a, a lapse in that giving history. I think one of the uh, reasons this works is that it really shows people that you're paying attention to them as individuals. And e so even though it may be a headache to put this mailing together, uh, you know, I think people sometimes want to be dismissive of us as too institutional and too big. And Joanne, I think you're right. They love to see their names in print. But I think it's also the message that we're paying attention and we know that you're not on this list. And, you know, does anybody sort of feel like you're harassing them ever? I mean, I would sort of turn it the other way and, and think that people are impressed that you all are actually paying attention to them. I, I would agree with that. I, we have never gotten a complaint about this. And in fact, we just this year um, started to recognize consecutive donors, 10-year uh, consecutive donors at our annual donor recognition dinner. Um, so it's becoming more important as we start, as we try to um, cultivate our cultural philanthropy here on campus. Okay, my final uh, example here in the Susquehanna Annual Giving Show is, uh, Joanne knows this is my favorite, this is a uh, young alumni challenge. And the whole premise of this was that uh, younger people may not be able to afford putting their name on a building or any other real significant recognition, but by gosh, we can name a sandwich after them in the cafeteria at the university. And so uh, Joanne and her staff launched this appeal, Savor the Flavor of Fame. And uh, uh, here's sort of an overview of how that all works, that uh, if you make a gift to the annual fund, your name will go into a drawing uh, where one lucky person will have a sandwich named after themselves uh, in the cafeteria at the university. And I just love this stuff, Joanne. They, they even list <laughs> the existing sandwiches that are eligible to be renamed. So whether you're a tuna salad lover or a turkey breast lover or the Italian uh, meat combo lover, uh, we've got the sandwich to be immortalized in your name, uh, in your honor. Um, you know, Joanne, I could just stop here and give credit uh, for an appeal that was clearly aimed at younger folks, uh, because I think that's so important to let them know that we're talking directly to them, or I guess anybody really who isn't capable of making a really big gift, that, uh, you know, it's the participation that's most important. Um, Talk a little bit about this experience, and then I'll ask you a couple of other questions about it. Sure. Uh, we can't take 100% of the credit on this. We actually did um, contract with an external marketing um, group who did a little, I wouldn't say a lot of market research, but a little bit of market research on what our culture is. Um, the person we contracted with, actually, his wife is actually a Susquehanna alum, so that helped. Um, we can give them some credit if you want. Well, they're it is. It's called. They're called Sire Advertising, and they actually are a local firm, but they're very professional. And we were really impressed with the work that went into it, this. Um, he presented us with a couple of concepts, and this um, 
we talked about a variety of things with regard to the sandwich. What should it look like? Should it really be meat? You know, are we going to offend vegetarians? All sorts of things like that. Um, but it, it sort of evolved from a basic concept that they gave us into this actual die cut. And we had for several years um, been foaming at the mouth every time we got die cut um, samples from different marketing firms. And we really wanted to do it. We knew that it was pricey, and it was very pricey. Um, but it was a lot of fun. And um, we had a good time with it. We think our alums did too. Now, for all of the, again, the statistically obsessed people listening in, I happen to already know the answer to this, that this was not a financial windfall uh, for the Susquehanna Fund. But, Joanne, you, you um, have told me before about all the nice publicity this got. Um, this didn't have a ribbon-cutting ceremony at the end. It had a sandwich-cutting ceremony for the lucky uh, person who had the sandwich named after them. Uh, talk a little bit about what the positives were that you think came out of this. Well, we actually did better uh, during this period than I, than I thought we did. I, I actually just looked at the numbers again this morning. Um, it actually, we grossed about $8,000. It didn't nearly cover the cost um, that we incurred getting this out the door, both for design concept and, and uh, postage. Um, but on the other hand, we did, we did gain about a percentage. So if we're talking bottom line, it, it helped. It was about a 3% rate of return. On the other hand, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. It, we did a sandwich cutting. It's gotten further. We, we sent it both to our young alums as well as our, our current students last year, and our seniors responded. Um, we actually did an event at homecoming for Cheryl Fell, who was the winner, um, and some of her friends. Um, there's going to be a photo coming up in the December Susquehanna Today, which is our alumni magazine, with her and the student who won with their photos. Um, Cheryl's sandwich is actually the Dirty Gertie Southern Sensation. Dirty Gertie was her, her college nickname, and she happens to be very well connected, which helps <laughs> us because all of her young alumni friends were very happy for her, and um, it's kind of her, her place in posterity, and it's going to stay up there on the sandwich board forever, or as long as the cafe exists, for that matter. So, <laughs> <it was> fun. <laughs> will, will there be... Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it's just a fun way for young alums to think about philanthropy. You know, it, I, I'm an alum as well, and I often would hear my friends say, why should I give? I don't have a million bucks to give to name a building. And that's really what we were trying to get at. And hopefully we were successful, and, and I don't know how we're going to recreate it, but it was a good while it lasted, I guess. <laughs> Does this mean you'll, uh, you'll eventually rename every sandwich, or was that a one-time, uh, one-time, one one-shot idea? Yeah, no, we're in the process of... Um, thinking about our spring of heels and there is a possibility that we may go with this or something like this again uh, we need to do something we're just not sure what it looks like we're very focused right now not so much on developing philanthropy although that's huge a huge part of what we're doing internally but um, working with our alumni relations program to get to develop a nine-year plan for our young alumni and so we're trying to figure out what exactly that looks like and what really is a longer term marketing strategy for this group. So whether it's going to be part of it, I don't know, but we're definitely going to be doing something. Okay. Judy, thank you very much. You are welcome. Thank <laughs> you for including me. Jo <laughs> Thanks for inviting us. Joanne, always a pleasure. Um, I shared with you Joanne's email address. You can use your chat button if you have any more questions for Joanne. And uh, Joanne, thanks so much for your time. Absolutely. Thanks, Bob. Onward and upward. Have fun today. <laughs> See That's ya. Bye-bye.